0: Well, summer is almost upon us, and the days, well, they are growing longer, they're growing warmer on both continents. It's time once again for No Agenda, coming to you from the Curry Manor in the United Kingdom. It's Adam Curry.
1: And up here in Northern California, where it looks to be another sunny day, I'm John C. Dvorak.
0: Hey, John. Good to talk to you. We haven't spoken uh, almost all week, have we? No, once we did. You were in New York.
1: Right, yeah, I gave you a call because there are crappy uh, oh, cell phones right. finally <laughs> left me a message saying, just a vague message. You know, they don't timestamp the messages, so it just said, it's Adam, give me a call. Um, so,
0: but wait a minute, that was a text message? No, no, this was a voice message.
1: Really? Yeah, so who knows how old it was.
0: Holy crap. Uh, I have, I did switch to, um, maybe that was part of the problem. I did switch to the, what is the network? The three network instead of O2, which is the one that was giving me all the problems. So Mm -hmm. now people are leaving me voicemail because you actually get through when you call and I'm Mm -hmm. unavailable. Now, of course, the downside is uh, I fixed the problem, but I I have voicemail, which means uh, I got to listen to it. Huh? I, I, I don't find voicemail very productive.
1: No, I find it confusing. For one thing, especially with the system that we have, uh, it's an AT and T system. They, they don't timestamp. I mean, even the hotels timestamp half can, the time. Can't
0: you press, can can't you press a button and get a timestamp? If you, uh, there's got to be a, uh, some command for that.
1: I don't know, maybe, but who's going to leave one? Um, no, I mean, I th- you, you should be. Able oh to, no, to I, no, the no. Stamp. There's none that I know of. Oh, okay. I mean, it just comes in your first unheard message, <laughs> and then you know, hi, madam, can you call?
0: So, uh, hey, hey, that was an, un- an uncanny impression of me, John. Thanks. <laughs> that was just fantastic. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to get, uh, I'm done with them. Actually, something messed up uh, last, uh, last Friday. I, was, I invited someone, uh, uh, Gerdi, our blonde bombshell banker in Holland. I invited her to come to the last uh, episode, the last live show of Holland's Got Talent. And I said, you know, I'll send you a text message with, uh, you know, when I've got the tickets to the door or whatever the studio number is. I sent her the text message. She never got it, so she didn't show up. And it's like, you know, and then three days later, she gets a text message. It's not reliable uh-huh. anymore. Yeah, it sucks. That's not right. No, it's not. It has something to do with all the, you know, because it's hopping from one network to the other and s- someone's messed up somewhere. And, 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 and I would probably say AT&T is probably messed up.
1: Well, you know, there's, it's this not rocket science to send the message out and ask for an acknowledgment.
0: Like email, right? It's like email, right? It should work.
1: Yeah, and then if you don't get the acknowledgment, you uh, send it out again until the phone says, hey, okay, 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 it's in here, or, or I got it listed, or, or the system. It's not, even, it's not even kept on the phone. It's kept uh, on a server someplace.
0: Yeah, well, you can choose but, to keep it on the phone, and you can actually choose to get a receipt, um, an acknowledgment receipt. You can you can switch that on. No,
1: nobody's going to do that.
0: Mm. No, I know, but you can actually do it. But it's really annoying because then for every message you send, you receive one. You know that it's been verified. But it, there right. there is a way to do it. Well, whatever the case. Well, that's all right. I'm uh, I'm getting me a UK number when the, with my new iPhone, which is coming out. That's what a I'm getting. UK. Yeah, a UK. Gonna, uh, yeah, UK number. I'm just going to get a regular UK cell phone number. I'm done with the with this AT and T crap from the states. You're still calling a U.S. number when you call me over here.
1: Yeah. Do you? Uh, uh, you so we're we're going to have to call long distance to get a hold of you now. Yes. That's such an inconvenience. Oh boy. How horrible.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: So, uh, what's been going on? You know, I didn't take any notes this week, so I have literally no agenda. Although, you know, there's a bunch of good things that have happened I'm sure we can chat about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I got lots of interesting stuff that's going on over here in Europe. I wouldn't mind hearing about what what you got going on. I I always have to start off, John. It's your turn.
1: Uh, Well, you know, Obama seems to be the guy they're going to run for the uh, presidency.
0: Do you know how many people are angry at me about this? Why what did you do well, of course i I totally took your um your theory, and I've been saying, forget about it, Clinton's going to get the nomination, so my wife has been telling everyone, you know oh, Adam says Clinton's getting the nomination, and everyone I've told are like you douchebag, you know it's like now we look well, like shit because it was such a sure thing. it was a shoe in you said, it's not over." Well, that's what I'm saying. I keep saying, look, you know, don't underestimate these Clintons. You know, she could run as an independent and still try and go for the presidency. But you're right. It's not over. I don't quite understand no. how it works. I mean, does she have to concede before?
1: Um, no, even if she concedes, it's not over.
0: It's not. It's not official until um, it, yeah, it goes to the until the convention, says right. it's over. Right. So anything could still happen. I, I, I'm with you, John. I, I think that they've got shit up their sleeve that is not to be believed. I think they can they yep. change people's minds.
1: It wouldn't take much. I mean, the thing going on the rumor right now is that there's a videotape of Michelle Obama doing something weird.
0: You know, there's another thing that's out. Uh, did you hear about this um so apparently two uh members of the uh, of the congregation the church he uh he belongs to in Chicago two of them have been uh, murdered uh and both were um apparently uh, either gay or bisexual men and you know so now this is now the story going around that obama had that he's bisexual and that he had an affair with one of them and there's this wacko guy who's all over youtube saying he blew obama <laughs> in a limo <laughs> this weird you know, shit I, going on
1: i that i you think i would have heard of that or we would have blogged it by now i you haven't heard maybe-
0: that one? Oh, shit man i'll find it for you hold on oh yeah well look- send me i was looking at it today
1: well, send me a link and I'll blog it. Okay. So um, I didn't hear that one, but you know, maybe I'm not paying much attention. <laughs> I'll it wasn't like on. It, it, I'll tell you, Brian Williams wasn't discussing it. Let me tell you right now.
0: Uh, well, let me see if I. Which one do you, you want the? Yeah, you want the story about the uh, about the two guys who were executed, right? And the blowjob. And the blowjob. <laughs> and the blowjob guy. Hold on. I'll give you one blowjob guy if you can give me. What was Michelle Obama doing?
1: We don't know. Here's the story, though. It's going around. Apparently, somebody's got a videotape of her going nuts. and Just, just, uh, like,
0: just like a freak out nuts? Or?
1: Well, you know, she's kind of a... She might be bipolar for all we know. I mean, she's got something... She's a, a mean-spirited person you from know. the looks of it. And so you know, we Patricia think... There's says something.
0: Patricia says the same thing. She says, I don't like her. There's something about her. And I think other more people may have this. But they just... Yeah, I don't know what it is. You know, I, I of course, have an immediate kinship, being a not-so-likable guy myself. She's a ball buster. (laughs) Hold on, I got it here, John. Here it is. This is a great story. I can't believe you didn't hear about this. Hold on. Yeah, you know, maybe I'm not keeping up. Well, it's also from the net. Here it is. Uh, Murder of Donald Young, a 47-year-old choir master at former Reverend Jeremiah Wright's Trinity United Christ of Church, a Church of Christ, the same congregation that Obama has attended for the past 20 years, two other young black men that attended the same church, Larry Bland and Nate Spencer, were also murdered, execution-style, with bullets to the backs of their head. All within 40 days of each other, beginning in November 2007, all three were openly homosexual.
1: Hmm. And, Interesting. Uh, and then and, they, you know, Wright, Wright has decided to go back to, to the pulpit.
0: Uh, I didn't even know he, he left.
1: Well, he was supposed to be retiring, but it looks like he's not going to. And I think he's irked about a lot of things.
0: Uh, I'm just going to hit you with this uh, uh, with this video page. Larry Sinclair is the guy. He's a real kook. You know, I don't. I don't care how bisexual you are. You're not going to let that guy blow you. Okay, it's just not going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> no way. I, th- I mean, <laughs> Obama may not may not be my favorite politician. Uh, but I think he's a lot better than that.
1: <laughs> so. well, I never thought of, a, you know, so here's this story that I, when I was in, I was in Manhattan this week and, um, I was talking to my agent and, uh, there's a couple of, apparently, and I'm not sure who was involved in this, but some guys that we both know, I guess, who are like Democrats or whatever. They Like, I don't know when they, this is a vague story, so let me start off with that premise. But apparently they had dinner with Obama, and it turns out the guy, something of a, uh, of a, of a, um, he was unlikable. They said at the end of the whole thing, he was mean to the to the help and really? arrogant, and has all these characteristics. I mean, I, if you watch the guy, I find you know I saw him the other day, and I think people are going to get tired of him. He looks because like he's a got, robot. He's like a robot. Well, he's got a robot like thing, but he's always like kind of like kind of looking you with this kind of you know look at me kind of thing, and he's very. Um, I don't know. It just gets on my nerves at this point. I mean, I thought when I, when I first heard him give that speech at the uh, convention...
0: Well substantiated I, this, John. I really appreciate it. He's just creepy. Yeah, I, he just creeps me out. He's no good.
1: <laughs> it's the best I can do. Hey, I guess, mean, like I said, I didn't take no, notes. No
0: agenda. No, I understand no what no you're agenda. saying. I mean, I'm always thinking, where's the guy's money coming from? We talked about that last week. The guy's got he's got 20s coming out of his ears.
1: And boy, those are big ears. And so... Um, I don't know. It just seems like he's got a certain kind of a quality that gets on. That's, by the time the election rolls around, I'm sure it's going to get on everybody's nerves if somebody doesn't start coaching him to be a little more uh, human. Really? Yeah. Uh, and I'm not so sure that this uh, orator um, personality that he's got, you know, you know, where he, everything's an oration with the pauses yeah. and more. Yeah. Pauses. Yeah, that that's
0: going to uh, get real irritating. I agree.
1: I think it's going to get irritating because it's unnatural. People. I mean, those are that's old fashioned. I mean, it sounds good. It was really, a, you know, in two thousand and four at the convention when you first heard him do it. It was it was like wow. It was compared kinda, to, you know, I was
0: kind of cool, right? It was like a it, like a famous leader type of speech.
1: Absolutely, it was one of the best speeches you've ever heard, and it, especially in contrast to what the debt what the Republicans were up to and uh so you know everyone's jacked up about it and then he's you know but he's never just still that's what he this is apparently the way he just if i was talking to you now well adam <laughs> what do you think <laughs> of obama
0: it's like when you listen to obama it's like you're continuously talking to someone on skype <laughs> it's all delayed and sometimes the words get drawn out hmm
1: so, anyways, so uh, well, these murders are interesting, but somebody else was murdered for something else. There was some other recently
0: um, an Obama affiliation.
1: No, no, this was another thing that was going on and people were uh, some. it was like a whistleblower or something, I kind of remember this maybe by the end of the show I'll figure it out or or we'll talk about it next week but um, but it was also a mysterious murder
0: I've been catching myself uh, spiraling down once in a while again John into the uh, conspiracy theory uh, tunnel
1: yeah it's avoidable just stop doing it well
0: it, yeah but the, the, yes and no i mean you know uh, like this weekend you know what's happening this weekend in virginia i'm sure you vlog this somewhere no i don't know the, the bilderberg group's annual meeting oh yeah the bilderberg. and by the way I, I don't think that that's probably just as harmless as the world economic forum you know except without scoble it's probably exactly the same thing
1: yeah, no, there's I don't see it being important or having to do with anything. It's just
0: a it's a drinking club. Yeah. Well, although I must say, you know, it, it is a little bit irritating that uh you've got the uh you know, you've got owners and and editors and big publishers of big media who are also invited and you know, n- nothing's ever ever discussed. Nothing's ever printed about, you know, what goes on. That's irritating.
1: Yeah, I guess. Um but, I mean, I mean, but like, that's
0: that's not the conspiracy theory thing I'm going down. I'm just saying, you know, it's like then you read about that and then before you know it, you're looking at David Icke videos and everyone's a reptile. You know, it's like, whoa, you know, step back for a second.
1: Well, you know, that's always I think that's more likely.
0: <laughs> everyone's a reptile. <laughs> I was telling Patricia about it and I was like, hun, you know, I you know. I you know th- th- I'm just saying okay I'm not saying I believe in this but you know so there's this guy David Ike he was I think a famous football player in in the UK and then he became he went on to become a sports commentator and then about 16 years ago he went on the Terry Wogan show and he did this whole thing about how the government is trying to you know uh, gain control over us through a number of ways and really have us just be enslaved and which you know is is viable and then all of a sudden he goes into this whole reptile rap the Queen Mother's a reptile. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. No, that's it's always funny. All these guys who are into this kind of craziness, uh, you know, they, they, they make a lot of sense, and then all of a sudden they fall off the cliff. What is that? I mean, uh, is that
0: calculated? Are these guys just in the business of selling books? or I mean, some of the shit they say. I I'm, I think
1: they're I'm nuts. There. I think these guys are crazy. But the, yeah. the reptile thing, by the way, for anyone listening to it, uh, I think we blogged it probably about a year and a half or two years ago when he came out again with one of these... Theories, yeah. and for anyone out there who wants to know, I mean, essentially what he's saying is that, you know, a number of people around the world are actually reptiles that uh, eat, are they trying eat, they to eat children, <laughs> trying to kill us all. Yeah. No, uh, they- I'm not <laughs> I'm not seeing any real evidence.
0: Well, you know, the evidence they show in these videos is historic, uh, historic symbolism, you know, throughout the ages of the reptiles of the snake um, you know, and lots of images of uh, snakes and reptiles eating people, eating children, drinking blood. Um, and then this is great. Vi- do you, this is a great video. And I'm sure it's doctored, but it, it doesn't even matter. So, of course, uh, George Bush Sr. is, of course, one of the reptiles, uh, according to the theory. And do you remember yeah. that he, uh, after Katrina, uh, so 41, George Bush. President forty one and Clinton went on TV and they had some website and they were soliciting donations. Yeah, it was and it was really kind of uncomfortable to watch and and Bush was kind of speaking a little bit slower than Clinton. It was kind of a weird. I don't know if you you remember. It just felt really uncomfortable that they were the way they were talking together. I remember. And and, uh, so they have that video of Bush. And, uh, they zoom in on it and you see, and yeah, you know, so the, what the, what they're showing and what you see in this video, true or not, is you see Bush's eyes go reptilian and they, you know, they get like little, little thin slits and they turn red. <laughs> <It's fantastic. laughs> yeah, that's not
1: doctor. No, that's what, that's the way they shot it.
0: It's fantastic. It's fantastic. But uh, so, uh, anyway, well, whatever. Hey, here's one that I didn't send to you on purpose because I wanted to talk about it on the show and I didn't want you to blog it before, before we talked about it. That's, that's how bad is pecan, John.
1: Yeah, we, you're, can't, you're blogging, we I- can't go on seeing each other this
0: way. <laughs> no, can't. I can't send you anything. Um, this is from, the, from Russia Today. Actually, I should send you the link. Um, Russian geologists have discovered a new mineral which absorbs radiation from liquid nuclear waste and now are striving to chemically clone it in the hope it may solve the problem of radioactive waste disposal. So they've, it's so- called lead. <laughs> <laughs> Kryptonite. <laughs> no, it's not. It's called... Uh, what the hell is it called? Uh, they don't... Even- Give the
1: name. Send, here. send me the link. Send me this. This sounds like a typical Russian crock of crap story.
0: Well, you'd like to believe it, right?
1: Yeah, everybody likes to believe this stuff. Russia Today.
0: Uh, it's nature that is showing us a way to solve the problem of preserving those radioactive isotopes, says uh, inventor Yakovenchuk.
1: Meanwhile, they have a picture here on this site. It looks like
0: quartz, doesn't
1: it? That's like- I was just going to say. It looks just like a big thing of rose quartz.
0: <laughs> I used to collect rocks as a kid. I had a little rock collection.
1: I still, you know, the place to go, if you have a shot at it, there's a rock shop. And this is people are going to really roll their eyes on this one. <laughs> but everybody knows about it, by the way. There's a rock shop in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Clearly. And you, one can only imagine because Brazil is one of these countries that has, you know, with all the, with all the Amazon and the rest of it, yeah, they got, they got a treasure rock. trove of rocks that are cool. Yeah. But they have geodes, and this rock shop has probably I don't know a hundred of these things, geodes that are about, in many cases.
0: What's, it, what's to, a
1: geode? What is a geode? A, a geode is that that rock that if you bust it open, oh, it's and it's on the inside? inside. it's all crystal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Garn and that's not garnet, but it's that whatever that purple thing is. And uh, you crack it open, and the and it opens up like an egg, and inside is all this beautiful crystal. Right, right. And they have them there that two, three, four, five, six feet high.
0: Really awesome.
1: And I have some pictures. I'll, I'll try to remember to blog. Let me make a note. I'll blog pictures of the geodes in Sao Paulo, Brazil's rock shop. It anyway, it's a very famous place, and they uh, you can go in there and you can buy like individual all kinds of individual stones by the pound, and you, you, so jewelers go there to make uh, junk jewelry.
0: Right. You see, my I think it was my uh, my grandmother gave me a uh, like a starter kit rock collection when I was a kid, like five or six, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I, I got interested in rocks, and you know, I'd go out looking for rocks. Of course, I like could never find anything near the the quality or anything as cool looking as that was in my starter kit collection. And then, you know, so I used to go buy rocks, and I felt kind of bad. It's like it's not that's not really doesn't didn't feel right buying the rocks instead of <laughs> like rocks. sourcing them and finding them yourself. You know, it just felt wrong.
1: Well, the uh, it's uh, my wife is into this. I mean, she doesn't collect rocks, but she 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 was she's into <laughs> she geology. Married,
0: she married one instead of collecting them.
1: Well, there you have it, <laughs> yeah, rock hard. <laughs> a- anyway, so
0: um, Viagra. Yeah, what else is new? <laughs> she,
1: she uh, you know, uh, there's a joke there. I'm not going to use it. That she anyway, she uh, is still, you know, will be driving around. She, oh, there's a such and such formation that uh, blah 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 from uplift, and there's you know, she pull over, always,
0: pull over, honey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so anyway, cool. If you really like that kind of stuff, you should go to the uh, the Museum of Natural History in New York City.
0: Yeah,
1: they have uh, they'll give you the geologist there will give you a tour, and they have some of the greatest stuff. It's amazing. I think you can buy a tour, like a individual tour, for about hundred bucks.
0: Oh, and a private tour, you mean?
1: Yeah, private tour with the cool. geologist. Oh, cool. That 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 maintains the collection, so you get to see stuff you wouldn't normally see. Which reminds me, you know, when I was in uh, Korea, I met a guy who's uh, I kept his card here. I can't remember his name right now, but he is uh, the uh, he's like the public relations uh, gopher and go to guy and intermediary uh, for the Vatican. Really. Yeah, and so he says, I said, well, can I get a tour of the Vatican? He said, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, he says, oh, yeah, I can take you down into the archives that they'd never show anybody. And you I'm should, thinking, I got to...
0: Yeah, you should do that.
1: Oh, pff, I better.
0: Yeah. Maybe when you're he over says, in Amsterdam, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump over to Vatican City.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't be a bad idea. I mentioned to the guy that... Uh, or you know, he said to me that he's got stuff. He's you know, he goes through. They don't even know what's down in the you know, in the archives outside. From you know, they have their museum, and then they have all the stuff. Most museums now,adays, people should realize, are probably only what five percent visible to the public. The rest of the stuff they rotate.
0: Yeah, they have to.
1: Or if you take that museum in, in China, the one in Taiwan, where they took all the artifacts from uh, the mainland when Shanghai Shek fled uh, china they uh, it's something that takes like, like the collection they can rotate it like every month for the next 100 years and just they still won't finish going through all this stuff
0: and never have anything, anything new uh never have any, duplicated anything out there
1: yeah but anyway so he says that he was looking over some of the stuff down there and he found the divorce papers for marco polo he <laughs> thought they were pretty funny <laughs> I don't know how many people would be interested in that, but I'd I'd be amused.
0: That's a historic document, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. So they've collected. You can imagine what the Catholic Church must have collected.
0: Uh that's in quotation marks, collected.
1: So uh so I was in New York, and I found an interesting counter trend, which I, no one's discussed. I'm going to have to figure out what what this is about. but it doesn't surprise me. But so I'm sitting there in the lobby of this little hotel, which is uh, it's not a. It actually was refurbished, so it was actually pretty nice, even though it was in the middle of nowhere.
0: Which one was it?
1: It was the Bentley. It's over by the. It's like it's like about a block away from the bottom underneath the Queensboro Bridge.
0: Oh man, it's a they, it's a boutique hotel, I presume.
1: Yeah, it's like an old dump that was that's been fixed up a little bit. Even though they could have done a better job in some cases, at least the rooms were almost brand new.
0: Right, and what they did—they just throw a sheet over some old uh, some old furniture and call it nouveau.
1: No, actually, I think they actually have real new furniture in there. But anyway, it was okay. I didn't mind it. And uh, they said for the location, there's no subway around there. It was you know way in the middle of nowhere, sixty second and York, which is past First Avenue. It's almost in the the drink. I mean, you could look out the window. There was FDR Drive. That's how far away it was. But anyway, for you New Yorkers. That's not uh, not
0: exactly the happening hood to be. That's for sure. Right. And there wasn't any really
1: notable restaurants in the area. Although Patsy's, the uh, 1933 coal-fired pizza place, was within walking distance.
0: Wait, isn't there, isn't the, um, ah, what the hell is it? Isn't there a Greek restaurant there that's pretty famous on that side? Like way out there?
1: Uh, there might be. I didn't see anything. I, was, I I didn't do a lot of research. I was. Uh, I went. You know, I only went for a couple of days because we had a, I had a meeting with the Market Watch people, and I had, we had to meet with my book agent. And then, uh, and then, so I stopped here and there and visited a few people I knew. So I had lunch with my editor at PC Magazine, and I expected this to be the. Uh, the you know, I, when you go to New York, you have to go to one good restaurant so i went to um the cafe at country and country is a restaurant that i've never been to before it's around the corner from the pc magazine offices and it is a uh one star michelin restaurant okay it was terrible
0: (laughs) oh wait they're off the list what was the name it was, well, the, it was the cafe
1: at Country. It wasn't the restaurant itself, which was what got the star. But it's beside the point.
0: It's the same kitchen. And, and there's it, no. That, that's it, the one on the corner. Yeah. Oh man, I've been there. I had a, I had one of their. They have hamburgers, right? They have a, they have like a really gourmet. Um, For lunch, yeah, they do. Yeah. Oh, it, I totally agree. It's and the service was very iffy. Oh.
1: The service was absolutely ridiculous.
0: You know, it was I had, terrible. I had lunch with Ted Leonsis there. I was like, and it's like his favorite place. Well,
1: Ted is crazy. So uh,
0: <laughs> he's also a board member, John. Well, you know,
1: I know I've known Ted longer <laughs> than you have, and so I can say that. And he'll think, well, you know, Dvorak has. His How being. do you know you've known him longer than I have? I've, I've known, known Ted I've known since Ted's, 1984.
0: Okay, yeah, you beat me there a couple of years, but not much. Hmm.
1: So anyway, uh, I knew him when he was doing a List magazine.
0: Mm. I don't even know about that. What's List magazine? What was that?
1: Listen, well, Ted has always been... Ted Leonsis is one of the more interesting characters in the industry. I love him, Because to, yeah. he's... He, I consider him to be one of the most creative people I've ever met. Yeah, I agree. And uh, although, you know, I, I, I think he's almost like a... Uh, you know, a Ferrari engine in a Volvo. I mean, it doesn't uh, necessarily... <laughs>
0: How about a Ferrari engine in a, in a Hummer? <laughs> that may be a little better uh, analogy for Ted there.
1: It could be. Whatever the case is, he doesn't... Uh, you know, he's he's just a lot of good ideas, and he executes only a very few of them. But um, they always may do well. But the List magazine was the craziest idea. Uh, it essentially was a magazine. I think it came out monthly that did nothing more than list every software product available on the market. Interesting. And it was actually quite successful. I think he sold it to some suckers.
0: You know what his new thing is? You know what he's doing? Oh, besides um, he's on our board and uh, what's the other thing he does? Uh, Clear, Clear Spring, the widget company, that's his. Um, is He's starting a new credit card. Oh really? Yeah. What's special about it? I can't remember what it was. Oh, it had something to do with. Um, well, obviously it's all about the deals, right? That's what all the credit cards are about. And I think it was. Um, what well, was like customized? Oh, it was like a white label uh, back end system. That's what it was. Uh, so it's customized. You can have the. Uh, obviously, he showed me the Washington Nationals credit card. You know, it's one of those deals. But there was well,
1: something- capital. Capital One will give you a car with anything you want on I it. I
0: know, but there was there was some other benefit to it. I'll ask him. I can't remember uh, at the time. Oh. I, you know, I, I I was like, okay, cool.
1: But anyway, so Ted, uh, I always thought Ted should have been the CEO of uh, AOL because he was over there as a the vice president, and totally. he started a lot of these little programs they had over there that were all successful. But I I, I don't know what it is that that he doesn't uh, um. Take a higher profile a lot I, I think of, uh,
0: I think he doesn't like the politics, John I think the, you know the whole Time Warner thing I think that just really turned him off. he, I, he just doesn't enjoy it
1: uh, you know he should learn to mm. I mean a lot of people don't enjoy it at first, but it actually could be a lot of fun.
0: but he's doing other stuff he like the um, the stadium they have for the for the team he built that you know right
1: he, you should mention he owns a team.
0: Yeah, is it, isn't it the Nationals that he owns, the uh, hockey team?
1: The hockey, I don't the Nationals is, I think, I, I think the Nationals you're talking about is a baseball team, right. but he owns a hockey owns team, I'm not yeah. sure which one.
0: <laughs> I don't know. He, but he built the stadium in, you know, wherever, the, it used to be like complete ghetto land in in, uh, in D.C., and, yeah, and, he, and he built the stadium there, and now it's like a huge, thriving economic community. Hmm. And he also did, he's he's in he's in foreign he, he financed some uh, film about I'm going to say China, and he's worshipped over there because it was it was about the uh, t- uh, oppression of the people. God, I'm, I wish I remembered all this because he tells the story really well. But he financed the movie, of course. He, you know, he lost. Well, I mean, it, it was intended to to not make money, um, but now when he goes to China, it's like he's the you know. He's, uh, he, he's He gets worshiped. the red carpet. Yeah, he does. As it were. <laughs> yes, the boom, red, boom. The yes. red Chinese carpet. Yes, he does. Anyway, how would we get to Ted? I can't remember...
1: Well, we—I was talking about this tr- this counter trend uh, uh, that uh, oh, right, I the witnessed trends. at the hotel. You somehow, I don't know how we got to TED. Oh, it's because of countries. Why well. we got to TED? Because you know, I ate there, and that was the way I killed my uh oh, right, glasses. Yeah, and that yeah. was the biggest disappointment because, like I said, I mean, I did go to Patsy's and have a coal-fired pizza, and that was actually good. But I was hoping to go to one one-star restaurant that had. Good food, and I can't say the food was inedible, because it was actually, the food was okay, even though Lance Ulanoff, who was eating it once before, said that he did have that hamburger you're talking about, and he hated it.
0: (laughs) I didn't like it. It was lame. Bad, Bad bun, too. Really poor choice of bun. Yeah, this is
1: inexcusable for a restaurant that has this reputation. The place—I I have a—I took a little movie of it with my uh, one of my handheld you know, little Kodak cameras, and I'll post the movie on the blog. Uh, walking out of the place, the place was almost dead empty. It was embarrassing. They should yeah. just close the place for lunch. Anyway, so uh, so I'm at this hotel, and I—they have you know the newspapers in the lobby where you're waiting for your car or whatever, and there was a financial time, and then there was a copy, a big pile of the Independent. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking the independent. What's that doing here in New York City? And it says, "in, in you know, this is from the UK, Independent International Edition." Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's what I thought, because this is like, to me, it's like the Herald Tribune, you know, with Americans, we we have a paper called the Herald Tribune, which is a combination, or used to be a combination of the New York Times and the Washington Post that's published and and is distributed throughout Europe for Americans floating around. But I've never seen the other side of this. I mean, usually it would be the real paper. It wouldn't be like a special edition for the U.S. Well, you have the the
0: Financial Times, which is pretty much the same edition.
1: Yeah, the Financial Times looks like the same edition to me, yeah. but this was a special edition. It was mm-hmm. uh, not as thick as the real independent, but it was pretty pretty big, and it had all these stories in there. I'm looking through the same thing. This thing could take off because- It's interesting like, news, a lot of- right? Yeah, it's better and better American news, including a a breakout story about how they found a secret plan to keep us in Iraq forever uh, that was highlighted in this one edition, which I'll uh, blog that to, I guess. And um, I was just like said, well, this is an interesting turn of events. You know, and all of a sudden now we have to get, uh, uh, you know, it's getting to the point we're really going to turn to the British to get American news. Oh, that's whoa, how bad whoa, it's got. Woe is
0: me. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Um, I don't know about I, who owns the Independent. Who runs that?
1: I don't know. It's not a Murdoch paper. I know that.
0: No, no it's definitely not. Um, I don't, I, think I like the. Mur- I like the, fin- the Financial Times really does it for me, John. I think I, you really should try and pick that one up more regularly.
1: I you know I should and the funny thing is is that the 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 reason I got the trip to New York was the MarketWatch had a uh, they decided to have a summit with all their columnists.
0: Oh, that's why you so had the shitty hotel?
1: Well, the reason for the shitty hotel was, you know, I, it's a funny gag, but the reason for the shitty hotel is cuz they they booked late and nobody uh-huh. realizes nowadays that all that New York is full. It's
0: full, of course it is. It's a great it's place full, to go. It's full of Europeans. All, yeah,
1: it's full of Europeans, and it's full of Europeans all year round. And if you want to go visit New York, you have to book months and months in advance. And this was too, maybe a month and a half in advance, which was too late.
0: Yeah, and and what are people speaking there? Russian.
1: This place was. Uh, let me think.
0: Because in London right now, John, every hotel, every bar, it's all Russian. And the weed trade, as as a trend, while while we're talking about trends and counter trends. The Chinese are taking over the weed trade in the the UK. They're buying. And by
1: weed, you don't mean gardening.
0: No, and they're buying up uh, council. uh, So basically, like uh, what is council? Uh, Like social security uh, homes, council estates, uh, council Mm. estate homes. Um, You know, and and they're just cranking it out, cranking it out. I mean, the word is all over the place. The Chinese are taking over the entire business. Hmm. Now, can I just say one other thing? They got primo shit, dude. Rock on to China.
1: I don't know how they don't come over your house right now and put you in cups. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ted Leonsis was cruising the Caribbean on his yacht a couple of years ago, poring over old newspapers when he noticed an obituary for Iris Chang, author of The Rape of Nanking, the bestseller about the killing in 1937 of 300,000 Chinese by the Japanese army.
1: Oh, that's what the movies about. Well, yep. yeah, the Chinese would love the guy.
0: Well, he did it. And uh he spent Well, good a- for him, you know, yeah. that you know that
1: that whole episode in history was, was deplorable. And it's and it's done nothing for the Japanese uh uh reputation. Tell that's us for about sure, it,
0: John, cuz I don't know about it. I will get a, uh, I will get copies of the DVD from Ted, no problem.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> give me a copy. Yeah, I like it. that's to see what I mean.
0: It. I'll get copies, sure. Tell me what what went on there.
1: What, the rape of Nanking? <laughs> yeah. That's when it's Oh, that's pretty funny you don't know that. Uh, well, essentially what happens is the Japanese occupied this part of Manchuria, and then they essentially uh, uh, enslaved and, and killed and murdered and, and raped the women and turned them into hookers, and they just they ravished the place. In fact, the Japanese, there's been a lot of studies about this, how the Japanese got so out of control and how they tend to get out of control in situations outside their own country. There was a lo- long series done by... Uh, that that model who's actually quite a good actress, uh, that kind of a good-looking brunette woman with a who's done a lot of work. I can't. i think of Angelina her name. Angelina Ma Jolie. No, no, no. We're talking about an older model that is uh, a, a fine, you know, has been Cindy Crawford. A, a, no, an no,
0: older. Uh, well, hold on. I got. I got to know. She's but older. She's, has she MILF? Yeah, is she's she older. Now you got to know for Milfy? sure. MILFY.
1: Okay. Sorry.
0: Is she a MILF or a GILF?
1: Oh she's a well she's beautiful. I mean uh whatever she? How you want.
0: How old is she now?
1: I think she's about 45 maybe, <sighs> maybe 50. Uh and she's an actress? Yeah, she's a fa- very famous actress, you know, this everyone who's you know knows about uh I mean I'm sure half the listeners well, are going. Come the, on, come what's on. The now, movie? We know what what's it is the,
0: what's the movie? What's the movie? Oh shit, I don't <laughs> know. Let me.
1: <laughs> Who else is in it? Come on, man. Well, it's not about a. I can't think of a movie. She's been in a lot of movies, and who, she did a lot of TV work. And who else
0: was in the movie she was in? The one you the, the movie
1: to. I'm talking about is a, is a documentary that she narrated about the Japanese culture and it's a very good series it's called japan or something like that it was on pbs and i can probably find it that way let me click on the keyboard somebody pointed out on twitter that sound like an old fart <laughs> sitting here typing away on this noisy
0: old it's keyboard live, like John. It. it's not live it's oh yeah someone did send an email about that didn't they
1: yeah you know you sound like that's funny i can just see him hunching over the keyboard typing <laughs> away like an old man let's see <laughs> which is exactly exactly what's happening <laughs> it is that's the irony of it um damn what was her name it's kind of embarrassing not to you know the thing is you know pete that's the thing about marketing if you're not uh if your name's not constantly out there uh jane seymour
0: oh jane seymour yeah she's a great actress yeah, unless well, she was a model, turned yes. actress, and but, did but well John, with but John, uh, James Seymour, excuse me, not forty-five. Okay, try uh, closer to sixty.
1: Well, she looks forty-five.
0: Yeah, sure. She's a good. But
1: anyway, which is what
0: a grandmother I'd like to do. A grandmother, <laughs> God, you're sick. Yes, I am. So
1: anyway, uh, she did this thing on Japan, and it was a. If anyone, if you ever see it on on, it was about five or six, maybe more part series. I don't know, four to seven, eight, nine parts. Not sure, but anyway, it's outstanding because it really breaks down the uh, the history of Japan, where it's headed, and where. And it was just It was just fascinating and especially if you've never been to Japan before it's definitely something to watch but the thing that she did she had there was one section about the rape of nanking and uh and there was she discussed the fact that the japanese are concerned to some large extent about the fact that once they leave if a group of them leave their own you know enclave of you know uh like the island and they go someplace else and they have to start running things uh, in a foreign environment they become extremely brutal and weird almost like you know Klingons or something
0: really it's kind of like the the kamikaze gene or something like that.
1: Well, it's or some it's some other or it's probably more of a, uh, a samurai Ronin kind of gene or something there you know or Tokugawa you know it all stems back to the Tokugawa shugunate, which was a period of time where uh, the Japanese had to learn to be expressionless because you know I guess it was legal for you know any of the people were in the government just to kill you on the spot if they didn't like the way you looked at them <laughs> and uh, anyway so this. This seems to be some sort of an issue with them when they uh, leave the. Or they think is some sort of a cultural problem when they leave the country. They think they can lord it over But they Also have a superiority complex. with so they, and I guess they don't think much of the Chinese. But anyway, the Chinese got br- really brutalized by them, and it was a horrible, one of the worst. I mean, I think they you know killed I don't know close to a million people, maybe more, wow. and just just you know like butchered them and so uh, anybody who would do a documentary on this like ted apparently did uh, would be adored by the oh, chinese yeah, who is, still hate the yeah. japanese for this
0: yeah so you but you don't know the title of it because i'm looking at her at uh at imdb.com uh, and i've got oh yeah uh, okay uh, let me see how i met your mother No, that isn't it blind dating you No, know. No, it would beach be under t- it would be
1: under the tv listing
0: beach party at the threshold of hell yeah that's where i am <laughs> Jane Seymour she was in Wedding Crashers that was good, that was a good one Dr. Quinn of course what a career this woman's had and she's hot yeah
1: and there's a picture of her I see next to her daughter, she's prettier than her daughter
0: is it the absolute truth?
1: no, 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 hang on a second, here it is let me just get to the Jane Seymour list it would probably be under let's say, it would be interesting if it's not here, it's not an act it's not an act- It's
0: got to be down at the bottom. Uh, so it's old. It's like from the eighties or nineties. It's it's pretty old.
1: Yeah, it's probably from the eighties. Thanks. Uh, it's got to be way down, way down, way down.
0: Keys to freedom. No. Jack the uh, Ripper. The- Angel of Death. Gosh, she's got a huge list. It's amazing, isn't it?
1: Well, I get you know. You, That's what you, you call start a working to- actress, man. Well, she does good work, and
0: she's got like 18 kids.
1: Yeah, no, she's uh, that's she did it right. Yeah. All right, so we can't she, find it. Well, it's not here. I'm it's I'm not seeing it either. I should I don't see her television credits. Are you all? Are you sure is, she
0: did it. You sure she's the one?
1: Oh yeah, believe me, it's nothing you'd forget. Oh wait a minute, here's a but here's another of these list where it says 2080s. Let's click on the 80s. Uh, Oh, I see. It's just part of a
0: running dry. Is that what it's called? Mm. Well, we probably we should move off this topic.
1: Yeah, uh, whatever. But anyway, the point is, is that there's. uh, uh, You should look up the um, this topic and catch up to it. You're you're remiss. Yes, I am. I
0: am. That's part of the world history I should know more about, particularly because uh, I could certainly. Interrogate Uncle Don about some of that. He was all over Japan.
1: Well, I'll tell you something. You could, uh, if you watch the the Leonces piece, I'm I'm guessing yeah. you'll probably right be right up to speed. I'm gonna. I gotta. Get so just that. get that from him, and you'll be yeah. all. I'll get you. A, I'll
0: get you a copy too.
1: Yeah. Okay, good. No so anyway, so that's the, uh, so anyway, so I'm looking at the independent. That was the, I thought that was an interesting trend. And now I'm thinking, is there any way I can get a subscription to this? I mean, the news in there was just, you know, stuff that they don't even print here. Is our news has just gotten dreadful. Anyway, when I was in New York, I also did two other things. I, I really jam when <laughs> I go anywhere. It's pretty funny. You didn't,
0: you, know, so I didn't, I, you didn't even call me back. I emailed you and I said, you know, call me if you have a second, you must've been really busy. So I I
1: I was pretty busy. So I, I visited both Fox Business and got a complete tour. This is, of course, with the MarketWatch folks. And then the next day, I got a car out to uh, out to Jersey and went and visited uh, the CNBC, CNBC studios. Yeah,
0: out and uh, right across the uh, right across the bridge, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: And I got to meet all the. Uh, People there. One of the executive producers brings me on every so often. And so she gave me a complete tour. I got to meet, a, you know, I got to meet, uh, you know, uh, former Market Watch person, Trish Reagan, who's just gorgeous. And then uh, Courtney Reagan, who's like really pretty. She does a little spot news and, and uh, you know, all the hostesses, which are, and all the guys that do all the shows. And I got to compare the Fox business. Uh, operation with the CNBC because they're kind of competing with each other. And
0: uh, let me guess. Think, let me guess. Fox far superior. No, far inferior. Really? Oh, I thought yeah, they would it, have all it, kinds of cool shit going on there.
1: They have a lot of cool stuff, but compared to what's going on, it I mean, it's like night and day. It's like oh, really? I wouldn't. You know, they dropped I think 150 million or something into the Fox. Um, the infrastructure, TV. right into the studios yeah.
0: and everything. Yeah.
1: You know, some huge amount of money, and it's all digital. It's really cool. Uh, it looks like a a um, a kitty car compared to like <laughs> really? you know um,
0: to the Lamborghini CNBC
1: stuff, huh? Yeah, I mean the the CNBC thing is uh, is probably three times bigger. Hmm. Uh, it's 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 got different energy. The energy is really amazing. Uh, it just. It's just it's just I don't see how it, Fox is going to it's going to be years and years before Fox can catch up to these guys. And I, and I also don't think Fox has got the right idea how to do uh, that kind of business channel, to be honest about. I think they're right. completely, you uh, the. they're going in the wrong direction in every which way.
0: Didn't Brian Williams come from CNBC?
1: Uh, or that, or MSNBC. But I, th- yeah. I think he came from MSNBC
0: because he's, he does the nightly news now, doesn't he? Because we get that over here on. Yeah, Sky. he
1: used to. Yeah, he used to do MSNBC's news, and he was al- always. I used to work at MSNBC for a while, uh, and when Soledad O'Brien was there, and uh, it was always always obvious to me that brian williams was the heir apparent to tom brokaw even though sometimes you can't really tell with nbc it's pretty obvious because they they line him up in a certain way and i always thought brian williams um was outstanding except for the fact that he's got this broken nose that is annoying i don't know why he hasn't
0: well you want to hear a story yeah um so he must have been either at cnbc or maybe doing human interest pieces for the nightly news uh but uh, he did a piece on a cosmetic surgeon in New Jersey, and Patricia was there, and she was asked to be a part of the piece. Uh, she had done, uh, I don't know, maybe it was her boob job, I don't know, something she had done. And uh, Brian Williams was really hitting on her, wanted to take her out, wanted to go hang out. <laughs> because she, the other day, we're sitting, and I'm flipping through Sky Channels, you know, somewhere up around the 500s, you know, where all the news shit is, and uh, Brian Williams on. So, I, you know, I hold, it's the nightly news I'm looking at, and she says, oh, that's the guy that hit on me. <laughs> Like really. So yeah, he was he was uh, courteous, but he was pushing pretty hard.
1: <laughs> courteous. I like that. <laughs> courteous He's courteous but,
0: but yet yet firm.
1: <laughs> courteous that, yeah, I'm sure he was firm. So um <laughs> anyway, so the uh, uh the no uh, Fox is not gonna uh I mean, I, I did. I've only done one hit for them. Uh, I did the Neil Cavuto show, I think, uh, a few weeks ago, and somehow Neil's got moved over there. And he's, uh, you know, he's talented guys, But I don't. They don't have numbers, and I think they don't have the right. Personally, I don't think they're they're well. Pointed does the CNBC room.
0: really have numbers?
1: Oh, CNBC is one of the most profitable broadcasting no, operations oh, yeah, in the world.
0: Profitable, but you know, what are the no, actual they got- numbers? What are
1: the ratings? You know, I don't know what the yeah, ratings are, but they, that they, high, they, man,
0: it's just not, it's not that high can in, you know, if no, it's a million, I'd be very surprised.
1: No, it's not that high, but it's, the point is it's the it's the people who watch it.
0: Yeah, of course. it I is. I mean,
1: you have some of the, you know, biggest money people in the world that just essentially have CNBC on just on. I well, mean, you that's
0: because they run it properly. You got that squawk box in the morning with that fat fuck. What's his name? Um, Mark or whatever. I can't get up that early. Uh, I used to watch it religiously. And it's great because, you know, they do get all the CEOs on. He's on a first name basis with him. He's, you know, he, he punches them around. They're all they, they are right on top of all of the fucking stories. I mean, anything that's breaking, they've got the right people. It's it's quite impressive. And that's what keeps people going. That's why they keep it on uh, at the office.
1: Yeah, no, they just keep it on 24-7. Every time I do a CNBC spot, everyone I know who's in the financial world they, uh, they sends me an email. Up.
0: Yeah, they see it, of course. It's hey, it's... you
1: were on yesterday. That was pretty good. You <laughs> said you know, I was on for like two minutes, You know, a minute and a half.
0: <laughs> with Neil Cavuto. Talking about what? Let me guess, Microsoft?
1: Well, with Cavuto, it was, on, it was actually on Fox because he's moved over. But mm, no, right. generally speaking, I would do the Aaron Burnett. Uh, the show with Aaron Burnett that's on just before uh, Street Signs or whatever it's called, just before the twelve o'clock. Yeah, the lunch New- hour. Yeah. yeah.
0: So they have a different crew over here in the UK. They also have uh, they have Squawk Box in the morning, and they have uh, they have some interesting personalities to do it here. Same format though, same formula. Right on top of it, really good watching.
1: Yeah, well, if you go to see their operation, you can see why. Yeah. I mean, they have, I mean, the number of people that are on any given show, I mean, I was taken into the control room, and they'll have, like, one person who just does the one, just the, like the Chiron person in charge of only the graphs that they show. And then there's a Chiron person in charge of all the names and all the other yeah. movement.
0: Hey, you got to have and that.
1: It's like you know, for each show, there's probably five or six technicians doing behind-the-scenes stuff, besides the director and all the camera people and everything else in between. It's actually quite. Uh, it was. A, I mean, Fox has that same kind of layout, but it's just smaller. Everything is smaller. Their offices are, you know, less interesting. But those are the,
0: it's the same facilities where they had MSNBC. What isn't the, it? the the, the C- CNBC, the CNBC P- offices. Oh, you mean the Fox ones? No, no, no. The ones across the river in Jersey, CNBC. I don't
1: know. I mean, I never went to this in MSNBC offices when they were out in the West East Coast. I only worked on the West Coast.
0: Okay. I don't know. All right. Uh, I thought it was the same the same uh, facility. I don't know. It might be. It's, I'll tell you. This is huge. Huh, cool. So that
1: was educational. Um. And, you know, you have to go over there once in a while and show your face. So people say, you know, we need somebody for today's show. You can think anybody. <laughs> okay. And then somebody says, I well, hey, the Dvorak. John, John can,
0: I, can I tell you something? Because I, you know, I know you're looking for money, like always, right? You're just like me. You're scrounging around. We're getting gigs. We're doing shit. Check this out, man. you got to get yourself an ISDN set. You could call into so many shows. And you could just sit when at I, home you could call into all these shows and when I finish
1: my when I finish my uh book about uh American depressions,
0: then, no, then I'll you need word. it because then you know 'cause j uh 'cause I I talked about it on the daily source code, I talked about it. I had this thing. I got like three radio stations calling me saying, Hey, can we uh, can we talk to you on, you know, next Tuesday morning or whatever and, uh, you know... Yeah, we'll, no, I'll do that, ISDN. Adam, but the <laughs> problem is I,
1: I'm not of this. I'm actually not, generally speaking, uh, of the ilk that I want to get on the air unless I have something to sell. Well, I'm sorry. I, mean,
0: I didn't... You don't have I, to get pissed off at me.
1: No, I'm just saying I don't have anything to sell because you've been hounding me to get ISDN. <laughs> yeah. and what I but, don't uh, need... I want
0: the it, ISDN for us. I don't give a shit what else you do uh, with uh, it. I'm just trying to think uh, of uh, ways that you can, you know, I'm like, maybe, you know, it's too expensive. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, what? <laughs> it is too expensive. That's It'll the problem It'll pay
0: for itself, John.
1: And the it fucking- won't pay for itself. That's the point. And let
0: me tell you, BT, man. So I hooked up this line, right? I got a business line and they called me on my home line and said, do you want a free ad in the yellow pages? I said, no, this thing go at least four times a day. This and it's, it's an auto answer, right? Because it's plugged into the into the codec. So it automatically right. ends, and I'll be, and I'm like, what the hell? Are they testing the line? And then click, it'll it'll go on, and, you know, it's routed through the mixer, and I'll hear, you know, someone, hello, hello? And I open up the microphone, like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, like, uh, we want to offer you, and it's like solicitations. They gave my number away immediately. Oh, so you're getting a bunch of spam. Yes, ISDN spam.
1: Wow, that's weird.
0: Of course, uh, yeah, I guess it is ISDN spam. You just—I yeah, wonder if it calls, if it just registers as a regular number.
1: Uh, uh it is—it is a regular number when you look at it.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Huh. So yeah, much, yeah, so yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, shit? okay. Well, as soon as I have something to sell, I'll do it. I mean, I'm just not going to. I just definitely don't want to get a bunch of guys calling me left and right. No, to- no, no.
0: So how, do, how does that work? So you you go with your agent, and you what do you go to publishers, and you pitch the idea.
1: Oh no! The way well, it depends. I mean, the, my book on depressions. I'm going to self-publish. This is. I went to see him about another project I'm working on with uh, Gina Smith. And Can you um, tell me about it. Uh, I'll, uh we, we'll, we'll tell. Yeah, as soon as we, as soon as we have it a little more hammered down, because it did, we're, we're fine-tuning the. Okay. Were the pitch.
0: you pitching but, with Gina together?
1: No, no, I'm pitching by myself. Gina but you know, Gina's worked with Brockman before. This is John Brockman, a one of the. I actually worked, worked for him once, but uh, Brockman is like, does all these, you know, high-end products that uh, get big money, and uh, she did the Wozniak book through him and some other projects, I guess, so he he knows who she is, and it's not an issue, I just wanted to sit in his office and chat for a while anyway, which (laughs) is what you have to do. And you you just sit there,
0: and you gotta say, give me a goddamn contract already, I'm not gonna leave.
1: And so, um... Uh, you know, so I, essentially the way it works though, generally speaking is uh, depending on the agent you work with and all agents have a slightly different process, but for the most part, it goes like this. You come up with an idea and people out there who want to sell books, this is how you do it. First, you got to find an agent, which is not easy, but you, you come up with a, uh, uh,
0: they're all named, they're under, in the phone book under L for lefty, lefty Schwartz.
1: L for literary agent. (laughs) Anyway, so you you come up with an idea and you write a proposal, and it's all everything is done based on this, generally speaking. And the proposal, depend, the proposals are um, interesting because they're trendy. They they sometimes they want long proposals, and everybody wants a long proposal that goes on forever, fifteen pages. Or they want short proposals. Nobody wants a long proposal. They want two page proposals. Okay,
0: whatever. It's like Hollywood.
1: Yeah, it just goes back and forth and back and forth. So, if you don't have an agent, you don't know what the trend is for the day. You know, how I, three pages exactly. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so you write the thing up, and usually the age, depending on the agency, but the, uh, many of them like to. You know, they go back. You go back and forth to the agent uh, with the proposal, fine honing it, and then the agent presents it to a publisher that usually a pal, because they all have. You know, every agent. That's which, which is. This is kind of interesting to me. Every agent has his own channels. They're all and they're all different. So if you went to agent A, they would have channels into maybe let's say. Uh, Two or three, uh, like maybe 20 editors total from in the 10 different publishing houses. If you went to Agent B, they'd have a whole different group that they would be pitching. And yeah, that's, then it's the
0: same with all agents. All, that's what you get an agent yeah, for. Yeah, they have
1: their friends. It's yeah, all their buddies. It's the Rolodex. And so, uh, you know, and if they've been making money for the, for the publisher, then, the, you know, their buddies are, uh, you know, happy to see them. So anyway, you find the agent that's got a conduit you're looking for. So in other words, you wouldn't take a fiction book and give it to somebody who does nonfiction fiction Because right. no matter how good of an agent they are, they don't have any, there's no channels. Right. So so finding the right agent is a big deal. And anyway, so then they take it in and then a couple of things can happen. In the olden days, you used to have these book auctions, which were pretty cool, because then they'd run up the price between, you know, you'd get two or three people together that would all want it, and then they'd Argue amongst themselves and give you way too much money, and but nowadays they just you know do a deal and it's over and then you anyway so then you do a book generally speaking that is not the same book as the one in the proposal, and then they take the <laughs> book that you gave them and print something that's not what you gave them, and then out it comes.
0: <laughs> Excellent, and, and and how long does that
1: process take? The the, the process takes too long. The uh, process probably takes a good nine months. Oh man. And, Perhaps. And um, it's a um, you know, and the way you get paid generally um,
0: is an advance. People, you get an advance.
1: You get well. It depends on the advance. If it's, if it's a big advance, you get it in three in three payments. Um, you usually get a, if it's a big advance. you, you And just can change. You can you can be done in any way you can make them agree to, which is the key. Um, and I always tell people, you know, you got to be careful about. The main thing that, that authors have to worry about is the dummy contract. And uh, dummy contracts are, in fact, you know, at Mevio we have a dummy contract that I've heard people bitch about. And uh, because everybody has a dummy contract, because if you are going to hire somebody and they're going to sign this thing, fine. <laughs> uh, and <it's>, yeah. but, <laughs> but, but in the business, it's called the dummy contract. I mean, that's what they call it. And uh, because you're a dummy if you sign it. The idea is, of course, you change what you want to change, and then they usually agree to it, And uh, unless you're a dummy. And there's an agent, by the way, who did a lot of tech books. who I was talking to one of my uh, publisher friends. He says they love this agent, and they take anything. Because he would actually encourage his writers to sign the to dummy contract. sign the contract. dummy contract? Cool. Yeah, what a nice guy. <sighs> anyway, so you get this dummy contract, and then you just change it to whatever you want. But typically, with a big advance, you'll get one-third right away of the money here here's your money and and by the way if you don't turn in the book or anything they have a hard time getting that money back so they have to if you don't have a track record you know they uh are very reluctant to to give you a lot of money up front because uh, they're I've you know situations do occur where you the book isn't canceled or or you can't do it or they or the project changed or the editor quit. I mean, there's a million possibilities, and you end up with this money, and uh, they really don't. It's almost impossible to get it back unless you go back to that publisher and have to do another book deal with them. Then that money yeah, is still they, somewhere yeah, on the books, that's and it's when like you
0: get screwed. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, you get you get you know the money well, goes it gets, away.
0: It gets recouped. It's just like the record business.
1: Right, and so anyway, so you get a third up front, and then when you deliver the manuscript officially, uh, even though you might be doling it out in pieces, but when the thing is finished, you get another third. And then when it finally hits the street, you get the last third. In smaller advances, you tend to get uh, half of it right away. And then when the book is delivered, you get the other half, and then you're done.
0: I should send you the contract they just sent over. Patricia's doing, uh, she wrote a Dutch version of Heat Wave. Uh, and she's going to duet do a duet with this guy. He's putting it on his album, on or on his mm-hmm. CD, I should say. And I should send it over because you really laugh when you see that. First of all, it's like ten percent versus ten percent of the song, which in itself is already one twelfth of the uh, of the CD. And then it's and that's uh, over PPD over retail, so it's really five percent of the twelve of the one twelfth. <laughs> And then it's after deduction of like twenty percent for mechanical reproduction, uh, but if it's uh, if it's for download reproduction, oh, I'd love to
1: see this kind. Con- you know, we I have to say this, and this is kind of obscure, but we collect contracts. My wife has become kind of good. Really? We work with so many lawyers; she's really good at. We don't even use lawyers that often unless it gets really complicated. You
0: just, you just pull something out of the archives and just use that.
1: Well, we have all this language, and in fact, when I did the deal with Mevio, you know, working with Bobby Garcia, I mean, we pulled a lot of contract uh, language You signed
0: signed the fucking dummy contract, John. What are you talking (laughs) about? I saw that. You know what I'll send you? I'll send you the, uh, how about the MTV Adam Curry uh, settlement agreement?
1: Yeah, I'd like that too. I mean, we, we have a collection of these things and we use them. We actually developed a, uh, a force majeure, uh, uh, some force majeure language, which you can look up uh, for speaking engagements. Because we, when I started doing a lot of public speaking through agents, uh, through the speaking bureaus, speaking bureaus. You'd wake uh, up and you'd be
0: does- like, I, I don't want to go, honey. Figure out some kind of force majeure so I can get out of it.
1: Well, no, you have to worry about that. That's the problem. And But none of the speakers bureaus used it in their contract language. And uh, we actually developed a contract based on the, with the basic template was from the Washington Speakers Bureau. And then we modified it and because uh, they had a beautiful contract. And then we modified it and then we added this force majeure thing and now we present it to other agents. This is like the contract we like to use. <laughs> and they look at it and they all say, wow, this is a great That's idea great. we would have to put this in our contract
0: <sighs> I can't wait to meet your wife man I, I, maybe I should be doing this show with her She's more interesting.
1: So uh, anyway, the the thing is, is that contracts are in some ways almost like folklore because they get passed around and rewritten. And and it gets to the point where you look at them. You can look at a contract. In fact, the the contract I did originally with uh, CBS when it was CBS Market Watch before it became Dow Jones, we had to really spend a lot of time on it because it was a really crappy contract that was written for broadcasters, not writers. Right. And I've seen this before where somebody, you know, comes in and they say, we use this and they use this, you know, wrong contract. And we actually probably helped them get their contract straightened out. So it's right for their, you know, for the right purposes. But you can look at contracts really quickly and say, this is written by somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. And the typical giveaway. And I don't want to beat this to death, but the typical giveaway for a crappy contract writer is that the language is very legalese and really complicated when a good contract is simple to read and understand.
0: So this morphs perfectly into the next topic, which is the contract known as the Lisbon Treaty in Europe. Okay. Are you familiar with this? Nope. Okay. Okay. You will recall in 2005 there was a European constitution port put forth to all 27 member states and two countries voted it down in a, in a in a referendum. Do you recall which two countries?
1: Uh well, I don't know, would it be Norway and Switzerland?
0: No, uh France and the Netherlands. Oh
1: right, right. This is the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm thinking Norway and Switzerland didn't even get involved in this. No, they just no. said no. <laughs> But, uh, you right, right. Those are, and this became the big controversy. This was news for like months on end when these, these, when they, you know, especially the French, you know, they're going to let's, do you want to make the EU the EU? Let's, okay, sign off on this, and now we vote against it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so I didn't pay much attention to it in 2005. My wife had, you know, she was ill, and so, we, you know, I was, Paying attention to other things, and uh, also I was in between countries. I couldn't even. I I think we had just moved here. I couldn't really even uh, vote on it. I don't think I was kind of like an illegal status for a while there. And um, so now this thing crops up called the Lisbon Treaty, and I and I didn't pay any attention to it. Until, you know, all this uh, stuff started surfacing. And, of course, the, my audience, known as the Chuckleheads, they start sending me all these links about Ireland. Like, Ireland's the only country that can now save Europe from, you know, the evil politicians in Brussels. I, you know me, so... All
1: right, 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 right. This has been coming up over the last week or so.
0: Okay, yes, exactly. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, June 12th, which is, what is that, uh, five, day, five days from now, that's when Ireland is the only country... Uh, country in uh, the only state in the union uh, to hold a referendum on this and of course all 27 states have to say yes to this lisbon treaty so i got interested in it and i'm like let me go read this fucking lisbon treaty and uh so you know we discussed this last week i think you know the everything in europe is published but it's published in its raw Form there's rarely a translation for the the common man, so it's a real struggle. But it's in you know 27 language or more than that, like 30 languages. Everything's translated. They spend a billion euros a year on translations alone, but it's great. So um, I'm like, let me go read the Lisbon Treaty, and I'm and look at this thing, John. I'm like, what is this? And it's all all it is is um, what would you call it? Uh, references to this original constitution. It's like so, so, it would say. Um well wait how big is this document? Uh like uh 70 pages. Okay, just wonder. It's, it's a, it you know, it's like a contract. It really is. And it's it is exactly like a contract cuz what the Lisbon Treaty is, it says okay, um in reference to, you know, the original document, the original constitution, change uh all words like ECU which used to be yeah, that was the European uh currency unit, change that to euro. Uh, so, so, you know, that means basically this document is that document with these changes. And the most important change, of course, was everywhere you reference uh, in that original document to the word constitution, we now replace that with Lisbon Treaty. And the reason, you know, of course this is what the the conspiracy theorists say is, and, and in fact uh, Angela Merkel was heard saying this, by not calling it a constitution, the member states had no obligation legally or morally to call a referendum on it. So, hey, it's not a constitution, guys. It's a treaty. But the treaty is just a, it's just a legal document of, of, re, of uh, search and replace. So then I go and read the, 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 the constitution. I'm like, what? And the constitution in itself has re- reference to, uh, to um, protocol documents. So, you know, people send me some uh, links and stuff, and I'm looking at it. It's like um, the right to freedom. You know, some of the basic human rights, which are now, you know, which I presumed were going to be um, meant only for, uh, you know, for the, for the entire union. And it's like, well, you know, you cannot be incarcerated, you know, without, uh, without just cause unless you uh, have a transmittable disease, you're an alcoholic, a drug addict, or a vagrant. <laughs> I'm like, that's going to be the fucking constitution? or like the Wow. Death, or like the death penalty. You cannot be put to death. Unless uh, you try to escape or if you are running away from a legal arrest, you know, then then um, you being accidentally or purposely killed would not be seen as a, as a violation of the Constitution. So I'm like, I'm like tripping out over this. I'm like, this is amazing shit. And now I understand why Ireland is such a big deal. So, you know, I'm doing this radio show in Holland. But wait, you, get, you gotta explain why Ireland's such a big deal. Well, I did explain because they're they the only country that has a referendum in every single, every other country. This is now being ratified. So, uh, last week it was ratified in the Netherlands, which means that the, the government basically has a little debate and then it's like, you know, okay, that, that was nice, opposition guys. Uh, thanks for speaking up. And now it's ratified. So now it, uh, the Lisbon Treaty is, uh, put into law. And the only country that has a referendum is Ireland. And if they say oh. no, then it's off the table for everybody.
1: Oh. So then, you know. Well, they sh- I hope they say no.
0: Well, so anyway, so I want to investigate. And so I'm doing this radio show. And I say, you know, call up the, uh, call someone up. Call someone who's in this debate. And so I get uh, the leader of uh, Dem- the, one of the Democratic parties. And uh, and I and I ask him these questions. I say, "What the hell is this?" He's like, "You know, honestly, I have no idea what you're talking about." I'm like, "Well, have you read this thing?" He says, "It's very hard to read, isn't it?" I'm like, yeah, "Hell yeah!" Is the Constitution? It, why don't you make it simple, like you know, like the American Constitution? So he says, "Okay, I will ask this question to the to the minister of uh, foreign affairs in uh, in Parliament today." And dude, so I'm watching this and I'm taping it. And he actually says, you know, Adam Curry asked me this morning, <laughs> like of them talking about. It <laughs> he's like, he went a step further, he says, you know, this morning I was on uh, Aero Classic Rock and uh, Adam Curry asked me these questions and, you know, and, and I really uh, didn't know how to answer. You must have just
1: fallen on the
0: floor. I had a boner from here to Tokyo. And and then he God. takes it one step further. He says to the actually not the minister but the uh, the secretary of foreign affairs. He says, "So I understand, Mr. Secretary, that you're going to appear on the show tomorrow. So why don't you rehearse your answer now, while uh, before you go and talk to Mr. Curry about it?" I'm like, "Oh man, <laughs> this is so cool." But anyway, so it, you know, it turns out that there is what they've done is they've taken the range so across um, all of Europe, the range is from you know. You cannot be killed under any circumstances to this very broad, well, if you try to run away while we're trying to arrest you and we kill you, then, you know, that's not illegal. That would not constitute a violation of your uh, of your basic human rights, according to the Constitution. And each individual country gets to implement the version they want. That's how it's going to work. So, anyway, it's very suspicious. No one understands what the hell is in the document. Uh, it's unreadable. And I think the reason why the Dutch and the French said no... Three years ago is because they, you know, no one read it. They just were pissed off about the euro and they weren't happy. And it's like, you guys want something? Screw you. We're going to say no. So anyway, this is now bubbling up, you know, and there's a lot of posting about it on the Internet. And, you know, it's it's a big campaign. You can see it happening. And the numbers, according to the Financial Times, have shifted dramatically where the beginning of the week... They expected forty one percent to say yes, thirty five percent to say no, and now they're expecting thirty five percent to say yes and thirty percent to say no. And it's uh it's pretty fundamental, you know. It is it's it is a, a constitution. It's uh it's fascinating to watch.
1: Okay, so I while you were talking about that, which is, is interesting, I just thought this is an aside, it's a little call back here. Using again Twitter Real Dvorak. I just typed in, does anyone remember Jane Seymour's series on PBS in Japan and the date and the name? And, uh, no, boom, tell me. of course, Twitter, I got 22,000 people, like, <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, well, there's a bunch yeah, of yeah, geniuses yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So Jay, yeah, <laughs> Jay, Jay, Jay Trosper uh, says it was called Japan and it was done in 1988. Just plain Japan.
0: You know, I'm so happy that you took me out of my European. Uh, I'm sorry, you know? I just. just
1: yeah, well, this was kind of European, you know, Jane Seymour <laughs> from England. Uh, let me tell hey, you, back no. to that topic. I'm sorry, but back no, to that topic. All right. That's all right. It's boring. Hey.
0: Most people. That's the problem. Most people think it's boring. They don't think about it. They don't think that you know that that could you know. The shit that's well, I'm happening. always
1: surprised that it's gone this far. To be honest about it, uh, if anyone you know, if, you, if anyone who's known me since the EU was first formulated, has known I've been you know uh, uh, skeptical because of stuff like this, and I still don't understand how the French and the Germans uh, can ever agree to anything at, at that level. I mean, they're already telling the French how to make cheese. Meanwhile, and, the, the
0: Germans know. just passed a national law that now by law. Uh, law enforcement officials can monitor and invade your computer via the Internet, and they can hang up covert cameras in your house. Just for no good reason? No, you got to have a reason. You sure? Does
1: it say you have to have a reason, or do they just uh, feel like doing it?
0: I'm, my, my German's not good enough to read the actual law. I, I, maybe I could find an English version of it. I'll find out.
1: Well, let me ask my Twitter group if somebody can translate
0: on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, while well, you're doing... I got one for your Twitter group. This is cool. So I'm nosing around. There's a new law going into effect. Now, of course, this is not something that they can choose on a national level in Europe, but this is a European law. It's something that we've had in America for as long as I can remember, actually. Only the... Of course, now with the exchange rates, it's a little skewed. Um, you may no longer transport more than 10,000 euros in cash or in other, you know, like traveler's checks or anything like that, um, in or out of the European Union without declaring it. (coughs) Give me this again,
1: because this this has always been the case with the U.S.
0: Yeah, so, you know, this is, uh, what they're saying is this is for two reasons, you know, for uh, money laundering and uh, financing of terrorism, of course. Uh, you can no longer enter or leave the European Union with more than 10,000 euros in cash or other, um, you know, faceless, nameless uh, uh, cash equivalents without registering it. And, uh, you, know, you know, it's like, all right, well, obviously. Can't you, just a- can't you just do a money transfer? Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard of SWIFT? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, well, if, yeah, SWIFT is, you know, the CIA taps into SWIFT. Well, the money still gets moved. Yeah, but, you know, it's like you have to declare, you know, it's, what you do with your money should be your business, unless you're doing illegal activity. But anyway, so that's beyond the point, because here's, here's what popped up, and this is a story that's been around for a while as well. So okay. they now have, at, at the airports, they now have money-sniffing dogs, literally. The oh, that's interesting. The money.
1: You know, because I I I'm a big fan of these dogs, by the way. And I'm always every time I see one, I ask the guy what kind of a dog it is. I say, is it a bomb dog? I know there's bomb dogs, yep. there's fruit dogs. Yep. You know, looking for fruit. They, they're they're all over to Hawaii, and because they don't want you bringing fruit out of Hawaii. Yep. And there's there's bomb dogs, fruit dogs, and drug dogs. I did not know there was the money dog.
0: Oh, you still there? Yeah, barely. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so they have money. Uh, money sniffing dogs. Wow, that's cool. But now, so what pops up on the radar? Up pops on the radar this story, which is pretty interesting because you can kind of prove it. That uh, you know, obviously, with this new law going into effect, that's not the most effective way to tr- to track money or to see how much money you've got. So apparently, now, in uh, as far as I can tell, the in the lower denomination notes. The rumor is that there is an RFID chip implanted in the euro bill in the currency. And you can check this. (laughs) This is great. You put either a 5, a 10, or a 20 euro note into the microwave, and you turn it on, and within like a second, you'll hear a pop. And there will be a little hole right off to the center of the paper. And that's supposed to be the chip that explodes because of the microwaves.
1: You know, I find this to be a folklore thing, and I suspect that the thing exploding may be some sort of metallic ink. Well, and I'll tell you why, because I don't think you can make an RFID chip that small. Ah,
0: no, man. This is, th- this is what I've been looking into. They, they, they're getting it down to, like, 50 microns. It's outrageous. They really? Can, yeah, because it, it, has, it doesn't need a power source. You know, it's, it's active. The way the RFID chip works... Yeah, no, I, it's passive. Yeah, you, you activate it with like a mag- magnetic field and then... That's induction. Enough. Yeah, thank you. With induction. And then it sends back uh, its identifier. But yeah, it, no,
1: the induction triggers the, the circuit and it turns it on, essentially. Yep. And then the, then it says, hi, I'm here. Here's my number. And then... Right. Yeah, there's my number or whatever.
0: Right. But, so I've done this. I've done this with all different notes. You put it in... in you put it in the microwave and then it pops. Now I've asked um, the guy from the RFID business platform. I have a call into the Minister of Finance because now I've got a radio show. I can get all these fuckers on the phone. It's pretty funny, um, you know. And I said, you know, so what's the deal? And so the RFID platform guy says, I don't really know. And you know, I've heard this too, but you know, I hear there's a little piece of wire in there that is, you know, for counterfeit purposes. And I'm like. Okay, so I go to the you know to the the European Union money website, and it says here's the five ways that we've baked into the currency um, to, you know, for you to able identify if it's authentic or not. None of which is talking about some kind of wire that's in there. You know, there's and it's not anywhere near anything that looks metallic, and it and it it's, it pops with a little hole, John. I'm I'm kidding, man. Right in the same spot on every single bill, huh? So, you know, I've, and I've been looking into this RFID shit, man. That's pretty awesome. It's, it's in everything. It's in your clothes. It's in, you know, like your jeans. It's, you know, these chips are absolutely everywhere. and they wow. can, And they're making them, uh, I think you can get them commercially. You could even buy them yourself for like, they're like 0.4 millimeters, which is already pretty small. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're trying to, now they're trying, I understand the next... Uh, Level they're trying to go below is fifty microns. I have no idea how big that is, but it sounds like uh, you wouldn't Small. be able to see it. No, and and
1: the thing is, how much data can it hold? I mean, it's just an identifier. It Can't really have any information you know, you know, you, except you, you, the serial you number. Know, you
0: can't you can't rewrite them. And uh, of course, the problem is uh, is always the antenna. You know, the the chip is one thing, but if you want to have any kind of reach, it, it, the antenna has to be you know, certain dimensions. Right. That's why these higher frequencies are the most desired. It's fascinating technology. It really is. You know, but also the, just the idea of, you know, so there is this data of all this stuff that is just not really broadcasting, but is accessible.
1: So are you cooking all your money? <laughs> I cooked about eight bills, yeah. <laughs> well, now, now, having said that, of course, I'm sure, surprise, they're not over there knocking on your door, Uh what would prevent somebody who was a you know who was a criminal uh, that wanted to smuggle out you know a hundred thousand dollars in a money belt just from cooking all his money in advance of the uh, of the uh, induction uh, whatever the receiver is yeah, that they just have?
0: well I mean if you really want to smuggle out a significant amount of money you know you're going to be popping a lot of individual bills it's not really simple and you know by itself is it is pretty suspicious looking. I haven't tried to spend it yet, but it, you know, there's like oh, a hole in the bill. <laughs> oh, well, how big is the hole? It's just a little pinhole, though, right? Uh, no, no, no. It's like a little, um, I'd say, about the size of an eraser on a pencil.
1: Well, you know, it probably now that you mentioned, the guy did say it was about counterfeiting. I'm, it might be actually about counterfeiting.
0: Yeah, but then why wouldn't they list that as one of the ways to see if it's counterfeiting? Because they don't want
1: a bunch of people like you out there smoking the bill just <laughs> as a joke.
0: Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> Why not? It's my money if I want to burn it in the air or if I want to burn it in my microwave. That's up to me.
1: Uh, or maybe they just don't want people knowing what, you know, that, you know, because you could probably counterfeit that chip just as easy as you could the rest yeah. of the crap uh, on that. bill. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm sure it's not encrypted or anything like that. I mean, I'm just saying it. it would make sense. You know, now you could just when you're walking through customs, you know, the sensor could go, oh, well, that's quite a lot of, you know. 20 pound note 20 euro pound notes you have there sir you know yeah hundreds i'm sure someone out there uh, has Dog some info barking. on it but yeah I'm, but I'm gonna, gonna ask the minister, to I'm gonna ask the minister of finance isn't that the best i can do
1: boy i'll tell you you're right you're up there now i feel like a loser
0: no man it's from holland dude <laughs> no one cares <laughs> holland is below <laughs> ireland you know, I, so you I, think, do you, have you checked bills from
1: other countries because every country prints their own euros?
0: Um, there's actually, um, I haven't tried this yet because I don't think I have any. The new $20 bills apparently have the same characteristics. You the got, 20 euro bill from no, no, England? No, 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 the $20 pound. bill. The new $20 bills. The $20 US bill? Yeah, yeah. The purple ones? The new ink? Huh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, there's all there's all. Oh. You just Google it, man. Google twenty dollar bill RFID. You'll see. Huh. You'll, you'll get Well, pictures. I have I have
1: wallets from uh, I've I've actually plugged this I think on my PC Mag column some time ago. But there's a guy down in Southern California who makes these really nice wallets that have the uh, Faraday cage built into them.
0: Oh yeah, so that so they can't uh, nothing penetrates it. Right. Yeah, I've seen those online. Here you go. Check this out. Here's a picture. Security. Is a picture of your... No, of the $20 well.
1: bills. <clears throat> Prison planet. Holy... <laughs> is this guy who cooked these bills? Yeah. <laughs> RFID tags and new U.S. notes explode when you try to microwave them. <laughs> it's the, the same bills are st- the- You got... Ja- uh, uh, Jackson's head is blown <laughs> off <in one laughs> of these See how bills. it's
0: in the same spot every single time? Yeah. This right. is interesting. And that's about the same spot where it's embedded in the, in the Euro bills. Yeah, man, you can take... I'll, I'll blog this. You, I got a lot of stuff to blog. I
1: won't, never, I won't get to half of it.
0: That's why I don't send you this shit, man, because I know you're going to blog that before we talk about it and take all the glory.
1: This guy, how many bills is this guy... The, the picture that's funny <laughs> here, which for people who aren't watching this, but it's on <laughs> it's Prison 4 Planet. 4 you can probably 6, look it 7, up. 9, uh,
0: it looks you know. like, it's looked like he's probably fried about 15. At well, he's picture. got like one, two, three, four, five times
1: four, 20, 20 bills uh, plus two more, 22. He taken, how many bills do you have to blow up before you get a clue? Oh, He's check, like
0: discipline. check this out. He yeah. says, want to share an event with you that we were experiencing this evening. You've got to read this story. Dave had over $1,000 in his back pocket in his wallet. New 20s were the lion's share of the bills in his wallet. We walked into a truck stop travel plaza, and they had those electronic monitors that are supposed to say if you were stealing something, but through every monitor, Dave set it off. He did not oh, have any... Good. He did not have anything to purchase in his hands or pockets. After numerous times of setting these off, a person approached Dave with a wand to swipe him. Anyway, so that's why the guy started trying, you know, Friday's bills to see if uh, if there was something in there. So if, oh, he, that's if he's if, if he's setting off, uh, you know, security gates.
1: Well, I'm going to have to get into this. Uh, I'm going to have to talk to my wallet making buddy.
0: So apparently, Hitachi, because you know people have been sending me stuff about this, but Hitachi. Uh, developed some of this technology in like 2000 and i think it's philips and philips and one other company that are actually that are su- supposedly uh supplying uh chips that, can, that are being put into paper i don't know if it's true man and you know and all right but it's just if it's true well, it's okay but we should know about it
1: well, it's obvious. I mean, it, it, these bills w- weren't blowing up for no good reason. I mean, people will see this link later. Well, this is what, what but, he, he,
0: oh, man, scroll down. No, what that's what saying? I was saying. Oh, man. I oh, there's, uh, there you go. There's uh, See, there's the 10-euro uh, note. See where it's popped? Yeah,
1: that's a little hole. That's a lot smaller than the U.S. one where yeah. you the whole head of Jackson gets blown yeah, off. Yeah,
0: that's because I think the U.S. paper burns quicker. That
1: well, could be. I guess the thing's catching on fire.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what it looks like. It I, just
1: looks. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, it's just like. I guess you could take it into the. Uh,
0: are you going to put? You put know, a tw- are you going to put a twenty in your micro- microwave? Microwave. Uh, you, you know. You You want to hear
1: something funny? <laughs> I don't have a microwave.
0: <laughs> you don't believe in them? No,
1: it's not that I don't believe in them. I just I don't see the purpose of them. I mean, you can really. I all I do is reheat stuff, and you know I can do that in a million different ways. It's more practical. I like to cook <laughs> over flames. Yeah, you know, I'm not a big fan of microwave cooking. I think it makes food tough. I think it's a uh, the only thing I ever used one for when I did have one was to boil water for tea. And I've got a teapot, you know, a kettle. It's just as fast.
0: Yeah, uh, you're so. right. We only use it for re- we don't cook in it. We only use. It. I think most people probably just use it for reheating.
1: And some people use it for thawing, and I find that there's better yeah, ways to
0: thaw, as a matter God, of fact. Don't use it for thawing. No, yeah, just so. reheats. just reheats. Or uh, maybe, here's the things I might do in the microwave. I might do a potato in the microwave, uh, <sighs> if I want to get one going quick. Or, I do happen to like, if, I, if I'll take a corn on the cob, and so I'll put butter around the, uh, the ear of corn, put a little bit of sugar on it, roll it up in wax paper, and then pop it into the microwave.
1: That's an eye roller
0: <laughs> it tastes really good
1: i'm sure it does. <clears throat> Might as well just let it give it some more heat and see what happens, see if it can get it to blow up <laughs> but no i don't i don't you know don't have one in the house so in fact, I think in both houses I got another house obviously in Washington, and I think we had one for a while and then uh I think we got rid of it. I mean, it's just, uh, just not a device I, I have much uh, pride in owning. And they're ugly. They, they, they're they just
0: horrible-looking yeah. things. Yeah, they are. I agree. Anyway, quite handy when you want to see if there's RFID chips embedded in your money. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, I don't think there's a question. Uh, there's no question that that RFID chips are embedded. I think it is odd that no one's talked about it, except on this show.
0: Well, no, but if, if you look around, you'll see that people have been doing this since uh, 2003. They've been talking about it. It's like, you know, it's one of these things that you see go in cycles because, you know, you do the research and you're Googling around. And even though it's kind of hard, Google doesn't do uh, date-based searches very well or the results are kind of hard to organize. But you'll see 2003, there's a, kind of a little, a little blip there. And then around 2006, it popped up again. And then it just died away, you know, something else happened, I guess.
1: As people don't care,
0: yeah, <laughs> well, that's, that's right. Let's just ride this wave until people don't care again.
1: So um, the hot news over here now. they think about it is uh, the fast company article on China, which is a topic that we discussed months ago about how China's you know uh, taking, uh, stealing, or getting, or the making arrangements to get all the stuff out of Africa, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So that's the so big, now that's all the business t-
1: talk shows and everybody's are all over this article, which is like oh, man. We should have known this before, and which I should have written, I guess. But you know, it would it take much But You work. actually
0: said you were going to write about it in Market Wash. You said it was going to make a great column. You, I think you've said that when we talked about it.
1: Uh, well, it's too late now. But yeah. the thing I think they overlooked was the one aspect, which is the most interesting, which is the fact that they do these deals where they get, you know, a free ride in terms of, uh, uh, of Taxes. customs. Yep. In taxes and, and and tariffs, and they bring all their stuff over here. They never finish the projects that they promise, and then they sell everything like you know they love to do, and they put every little vendor out of business because they have to pay customs, and no, and the Chinese don't, and that seems to be more interesting than the fact that the Chinese are taking all the all the resources out of uh, Africa. People have been re- you know taking resources out of Africa you know forever. It's not like you know it's that, <laughs> that's what it's there for. So it's there for. That's what it's there for. And the Chinese probably need more resources than anybody else right now. And at least there's a supply. I mean, otherwise, the prices of everything would be through the ceiling.
0: Yeah, unlike a hundred and forty dollar oil. Yeah, the
1: oil thing is. uh, So I listened to the. You know, it's funny because I talked to all these people about this oil thing. So I was in. It was actually when I was in New York. I turned on uh, C-SPAN. And they had the entire hearing about the oil situation with, with uh, what's his name, uh, George Soros. And this guy, um, let's see, his last name is Greenberger. Kenneth, I think. Greenberger, you can look that up. Or Michael. Michael or Kenneth. I think it's Michael Greenberger. Oh, is this
0: where Soros said it's all speculators who are driving the price up? It's the uh, insurance companies who are rolling over month to month? Yep yeah
1: which is of course we've talked about, yep. and because it's pretty obvious that's what's going on. But anyway, this Greenberger guy that was actually a lot more interesting than uh he he used to be one of these regulators. A- in the government I guess to around the year 2000 when I quit or retired or whatever and and he said something interesting that nobody seems to have picked up on he says that there was a law, a law that was passed sometime around in the late 80s or wherever it was just before the energy first energy crisis that allowed it was called the the called the Enron, uh, the Enron bill or something. Said so a he has a name for it, and I unfortunately I didn't write it down. Like I said, I didn't write anything down. But it's, it's some. It was the thing that benefited Enron, and it was kind of snuck into some other bill, and it allowed people to trade, you know, energy in a certain way. And it was I think it was called it maybe it was called the Enron loophole. And it made Enron what it was, which was an energy trading company. And so then they closed the loophole, but according to him, they left. A loophole open for this sort of speculation that's going on now with, with oil. And he says that's the only loophole. It's unregulated speculation and he blames mostly the Dubai people because there's a Dubai trading desk mm. and London. There's a group in London and those are the guys doing all the all the heavy lifting in this. And then he named two other American companies. Goldman Sachs <laughs> and and uh, <clears throat> what's the other one? Um, Goldman Sachs Lehman? and... Uh, Lehman? No, it wasn't Lehman. It was, the, it was one of the ones that seemed to be unscathed I' think about it, but anyway, these two American uh, you know investment bankers they said Morgan Stanley oh,
0: right. he, said,
1: he said Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley are in up to their ears in the in this oil scam. so what and I, he says' go ahead. And until they change the law where they have to, you know, get these guys back under regulation because they're speculating with, you know, essentially they're just, they're with no money. I mean, they're just essentially running this thing up like, like crazy. So and what, I, what I
0: understand is that it's gotten so out of control that there's actually tankers off the coast of, uh, of multiple countries, including the U.S., filled with oil, just waiting to unload. Uh, You know, the minute the minute they're at the at the peak of the game, you know, so because at a certain (laughs) point, everyone's going to flip around and start selling, right? Yeah, they have to. So there's apparently there's even a a shortage of tanker space right now because these tankers are just at anchor waiting to rush into a port (laughs) to offload.
1: Well, you know, this is the problem. And everybody knows that there's some, you know, 80 billion barrels. There's some huge number of oil that's actually coming out of the ground and it has to go someplace and it has to go through the system. And the Americans in particular, I think we've dropped off 4%, 5%. I mean, just it doesn't sound like much, but it's, it's like, like
0: 300,000 barrels a day or something.
1: It's millions of barrels of overall that, yeah. you know, we're not soaking up anymore because we just people are, you know, I've noticed this when I commute to San Francisco. It's like, wow, this is the way it ought to be. There's it's not as crowded. It's no one's,
0: yeah, No one's working. Every, you know there's no jobs everyone's at home people, not driving around fuck yeah buses. america fuck yeah here to save the motherfucking day yeah okay
1: so sorry. uh yeah, yeah but people by the way complain when you sing um as they should so well you never heard me sing. Then they'd really complain. So, so uh, yeah, there's a problem. And so, they, I'm sure that all these tanks and all the refiners and everything are must be filled to the brim. And you know, we can't. This can't go on much longer because at some point, you, the oil starts just being dumped on the on the dirt, you know, or something. Because you can't, you know, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a continuous process. It's yeah, well, not the, like these batch. are
0: contracts. You're buying commodities. You know, it, it, yeah, it's it's on paper, but at a certain point, it's like, all right, pay me and I deliver. Right. That's how it goes. Right
1: now, this latest run-up. I, I, when I was at the thing with the Market Watch guys, we had one guy who was the CEO of Minionville and he was who was also a columnist for us, Todd, and he was, uh, who was a really typical stock trader. He was on the machine and he was short on some energy futures and some but he had to monitor it by the second. So he's basically what everyone else was talking about things. He was like he would say something and check, check the chart and say something because it was, had to be a minute by minute thing because he knew it was a little risky his position because oil had, was dipping that day and um but anyway he was you know he was on top of this and, and felt that there was some some something screwy going on and he didn't have the opportunity to watch this hearing and i don't think a lot of people did but I'm, it was fascinating but the thing that i was thinking when the thing took this big jump uh way the, the biggest jump in history like the other day yesterday uh i'm thinking and of course it sunk the market 400 points i'm thinking that maybe this is the death knell because at some point you know let's you know just do everything we can to get it up to as high as we can as far as we can and then get out i think that i think maybe that might have been it so possibly I, so
0: I had exactly the same response only i'm going to take it one step further i think it was a test and they a- Popped it, and they're like, "Oh shit!" And the you know, because everyone's so one hundred and fifty dollars is the next psychological barrier that will freak everybody out. I think they they're gonna try for two hundred because they there's no downside. The 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 credit crisis just showed that. So what? You know. So what if 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 it blows up? You know, they'll get bailed out or something or happen or whatever. Um, I think they're going to go for 200, and that's the pop. Then all of a sudden, this oil comes rushing in from you know into ports all over the place.
1: Swamps the country. It's, we get back to two dollars a gallon. Oh
0: man, it's going to drop like an MF. The dollar is going to go sky high. And uh, John, you McCain know, be I like what you said. I think <laughs> it
1: actually makes more sense. Because they have no uh,
0: downside. They're, they're, yeah, they're, no, no, they're no, you're right. They're I
1: was greedy. thinking small. You're right. You got the right. I think
0: you're right. That's, that's the difference, John, between you and me. <laughs> you think small, my friend.
1: So, uh, yeah, you might be right. They might just be saying, okay, screw it. We're just going to take it to the wall until right. it blows up.
0: Let's uh, let's end it on that note. We're at a, over an hour and a half. Oh, that's, my God. That's, that's what people complain about.
1: <laughs> Actually, they, they don't. I know. They love it. <laughs>
0: Ah yes. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh so what uh, the things we need to look out for. You have a lot to blog uh, today, John. Way too much. Yeah, but uh so it's not over with Clinton yet. I we I think we both agree on that. It's not over yet. Who knows what they'll come up with. Right, it's not over with oil. It's definitely not over with oil. They're going to go for 200. It'll be interesting to see if they make it because you know the future the, some of the contracts are already written, so <clears throat> it would make sense. And uh crap I don't know you you around this week uh, I have to
1: go to Michigan for a couple days I'll be back on Wednesday okay I'm giving a, a talk about you know the future of newspapers to a publishing group up there
0: yeah that's your that's your new speech right that's your new thing yeah it's one of them you were gonna send me that I wanted to see I want to see your speech yeah I'm,
1: I'm finishing it today uh,
0: I thought you had I, already, mean, I, I thought you'd already done this just recently.
1: I have, but I, I've got this. Now I have a slideshow to go with it that's that's a little more advanced.
0: Wow. When one's in the neighborhood, would you get me an invite? I'd love to see one of your shows, one of your gigs. Yeah, absolutely. Do you sell merch? Do you have, like, T-shirts? No, you know,
1: I, people say, well, you should be <laughs> selling books at these things. But, you know, I just stuff to schlep. You know, I'm like a light traveler. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's a joke in that, too. Hey. All right, everybody, uh, this is it. Uh, winding down the show, once again, from Guilford in the United Kingdom, I'm Adam Curry.
1: And out here in uh, Northern California, nice sunny day, by the way, I'm John C. Dvorak.
0: We'll talk to you again next week on No Agenda.